121. Yes, that's a big number. In today's episode, we're going to talk about financial success in divorce. Possible? Let's find out. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, aka the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now, your host, Jason Lavoy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the 121st episode of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. I am your host, Jason Lavoy, aka the Divorce Resource Guy. And 121, wow, that is a nice round big number, isn't it? More to come, that's for sure. Stay tuned. Today, my guest is Rick Salmaron. He's a certified financial planner, he is from Dallas, Texas. He uh, is somebody who works with clients all over, all over the country. He's based in Dallas, but he's a certified financial planner and CEO, CEO of Samaran Financial. And he entered the business in 1990, then branched out to begin his own firm in 2001. And with his guidance and experience, he helps clients spend less time worrying about their money so that they can enjoy other areas of life. He's seen on national media and sought out by numerous podcasts to share his wisdom, and he's going to do that with us today. So let's get right to it, and let me introduce to you Rick Salmaron. Rick, glad to have you on the show. I'm going to ask you the same thing I did right before we started recording, and I loved your answer, so I want you to do it again. How are you today? I am honest, loving, and courageous today, Jason. Thank you for asking. I love that. And I, and I was telling you, I love the way you I answer love, that question. You make me I love feel bad when I say, fine. <laughs> it's one of the most common questions in the world. And a few years ago, I thought, wouldn't this be a great opportunity to express myself in a way that makes me feel good and boosts my self-esteem and also make a lasting effect on the person receiving what's normally a very dull, boring question with something very noticeable and memorable? Yeah, it makes your ears perk right up because it's like, what, come again? Yeah. Um, and how often do you change your answer? Uh, probably every week, every week. Oh, I just dig quite... into inside of myself and pull out some beingness that I can express at the moment. And I'll stick with that for a week or two and then go on to something else. That, because you are constantly changing, right? Correct. Yes. Because I'm creative, dependable, and responsible. Oh, well, now you're just, you're flaunting yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rick, the, the first question I want to ask you, I ask everybody, um, is for people who don't know you, or uh, give everybody a little bit idea about your background and the path that you took to get to where you are today. I'm a certified financial planner. I own a wealth management company here in Dallas now for 20 years. I'll make my story brief. However, I began in this business, believe it or not, when I was eight years old. In a, in a Saturday morning breakfast table in Oklahoma City, where I was born and raised, my mother placed her right hand on my shoulder and said, son, this is going to be a very special day for you because we're going to go to a place called a savings and loan, and we're going to open up an account there. And I asked her, what does that mean, mom? And she replied, well, see, Rick, if you let them keep your money, they will pay you money for keeping your money. I still didn't quite get it. However, what was good for my mom was good for me. So I dropped my spoon in my Lucky Charms. We went into the car. We scooted off to a place called the Savings and Loan. 
I emptied my change out of my pocket. All these coins rattling on the counter, $10 worth of allowance. My mother matched that $10. So I gave birth to a savings account with 20 bucks. It wasn't until 90 days later, I received my first statement in the mail. And that $20, Jason, grew to $20.15. And that was a light bulb moment that I still remember to this day, 50 years later, I'm 58 years old. And because of that, I learned how money can grow on its own. And when they, way back, this is 30 years ago, I wanted to figure out something more entrepreneurial. What can I do for myself? And lo and behold, I'm looking back at this behavior that began on that Saturday morning. And I've always been a saver. I've always been an investor. And I figured, let me do something like this, create a business that I can add value to the marketplace because it was natural in my DNA. I could share the smarts. I could share the lessons, the wisdom, gosh, and get paid for it too. This would be like a too good of a dream to come true. But that's what I've been doing since 1990. I started my own business in 2001. And here I am now adding value to people's lives ever since. Wow, I, I love that story, um, and that it was such a defining moment for your life. It's funny, I'm not quite as old as you, but I'm not as young as I look either. And I remember when I was a little boy, uh, we still used the little actual little books, the bank books, where you would go in and they would stamp it every time you made a deposit or, or withdrawal. And they would <laughs> remember those, and they would stamp it with the interest. And I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> It's awesome. Maybe, I wonder if you got that book still around in your house somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, that that I don't even know. That would be a good question. Um, so, so you have your own company. You you have uh, a little bit of that entrepreneur entrepreneurial bug, just like I do. Sure. Um, yeah. And did you always know that you were going to be going into finance? No, I first was going to, I was in fact a computer programmer. I studied computer science in college. I became a computer programmer in, in my first corporate America job straight out of graduating. And I figured that's going to be my path because in this time, this was 1986. This was the birth of the Macintosh. This was the birth of the IBM PC, the right. portable computer. And computing was becoming the day of age and the new phenomenon, and there was no stopping this industry. And, and frankly, there still isn't, right? It's just in a much, much different form today. I thought myself of being on this path forever and ever and ever. However, I was 21 years old. I didn't really have the vision of, of realizing, would I still be doing this when I'm 45 or, or 50? I just figured this is what I would be doing. But corporate America just got way too boring. I was not, that got old quick. Right. And that's when I started to piece together and looking back, what, what can I do that's on my own? All of this energy, I'm plunging into this company, getting very little back. What if I redirected that into me? What kind of fruits could come forth from that kind of energy? Wow. That started to create a nice dream and a nice vision that I wanted to pursue. And that's when I went back to that first savings account. I, I found out, I, looking back, I maxed out on that company 401k without thinking another second thought. And I figured out how to live off of, 
off of whatever I took home after that. I bought my first stock at age 18, my first house at age 22. And I don't say those things to brag. They were just the facts. This is what I did. And that's why it was such an easy transition for me to discover, let alone just move into this kind of field. And it's been great, not not in a straight line. However, it's been fan, fantastic, and I love what I do. Yeah, and, and that's that's so important. And you could hear the passion in you when you when you talk about it, um, and and that's great. So today we're talking about finances, divorce, but with a little twist, which is why I'm excited to talk with you. Um, we're going to talk about why you can have financial success in a divorce. Right. Um, and that that's putting a positive spin on it, uh, which is why I like it, because too often and divorce is, by and large, it's a negative topic um, because you're talking about two people who got married, not intending to get divorced. Right. I haven't met anybody yet who got married hoping to get divorced. Um, so it's a, yep. it's a it's a sad thing to happen, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it has to ruin your life. And in fact, putting a positive spin on it is how people get through it. Um, and prosper on the other side. So I want to talk with you about that today. Absolutely, what, absolutely. What do you mean by that? Financial, how can people have financial success in divorce when you're most of the time splitting up yeah. maybe mm -hmm. either one income or two incomes? Mm -hmm. And so you have less after the divorce, right? Than you had yeah. during mm -hmm. the marriage. So that's not good. So, mm -hmm. so what do you mean by financial success? They can be very devastating. I'm divorced myself. I got divorced almost 10 years ago. And when I saw my wealth get cut in half, gosh, I mean, it sucks for anybody. Right. I, I don't want to put a special spotlight on me because there's not one. It's everyone cringes. It's a it's a it's a dagger that hits the stomach to see the net wealth go from one size down to one half of the size. That can be really, really awful. Yet I will. I will say this too. There was a concept that I learned in some of the personal growth that I've let, and I'm going to get to the to the money part of this, but I feel like that this is important to say. Many of us are familiar with the phrase PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And it's normally applied to, yes, people in the military or going through traumatic events like this. Now, divorce, is it on the same level as fighting in a battle in a war somewhere? Not necessarily. However, it's still an extreme negative traumatic event in a person's life. There's something that happens. There's something that is created out of a traumatic event that can also be labeled as PTG, and that's post-traumatic growth. When we look back at really bad moments in our life, yet something great came out of it. And I, you look back and you say, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today had it not been for that one event, had it not been for that one traumatic episode that catapulted me into the new life that I have, into the new me that I am. So for everyone who's listening, I, I want you to keep that in mind, that if you're on the the edge of divorce, if you've just gone through it and it sucks, I, I get it, it completely sucks, yet there is great sunshine waiting for you around the corner. You may not be able to see it now, but it's going to happen. And it can happen with your money too. So let me give you an example, a few of the examples that I personally experienced, but I think anyone else can experience too after you get divorced. And that is there's a new world 
of money freedom waiting for you. Is there not? For example, you can you can put it simply, you can budget much easier. It's it's easier to create a budget for yourself, just for yourself, not for two people, but for just one person. How many how many battles did you go through? How many arguments were there about, honey, why are we spending money on this? Why yes. are we doing that? Uh, I mean, there's you go to bed at night with with that with that financial fire, and that's not healthy. And with the divorce behind you, guess what? You're done with that. You're done with that. It's just you. I remember speaking with clients some time ago, and they did okay financially. They weren't broke, yet they weren't Bill Gates either. At the same time, they had to they had to worry about making ends meet, right? Yet the husband was a huge San Antonio Spurs basketball fan, and he had to have his season tickets at the Spurs, which were at that time, I don't know, $4,000 for the nosebleed seats, something like that. I mean, that ranked up there high with milk and orange juice on the grocery list. Yeah. Okay. So that caused a lot of strife between the two couples. What Was that the reason for the split up? Not necessarily. However, you know better than anyone being a divorce coach, Jason, that money can, is arguably the chief reason that people split up. And so the, the, Am I right? On the number that? one cause of arguments uh, is financial finances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's existing, not on being the same page for any longer. Now, guess what? There's only one page to be on, and that's yours. So let that soak in and remind yourself of the relief that awaits you with the money that you have now. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, finding uh, for people who budget at all, right? Not everybody budgets. Yeah. Perhaps they should. But not everybody does. But for people that do try to create a budget for themselves, right? The more, um, what's the analogy? The, the more cooks in the kitchen, the harder it is. Uh, and and that's true, whether it's two or or more, you know, it's hard to agree and harder to stick to the budget that you agree on <laughs> when you're dealing with, you know, different thoughts, different voices, different opinions. But when it's when it's only you and now you're back to taking care of you, uh, by and large, uh, then right, it's so much easier um, to take control and do things the way you want to do them now. Which leads to another tremendous value, and that is you're now in control. It's not two people deciding who, where does the money go. It's just you. Just just sit down and in that feeling of empowerment, that sensation of wow, I can now be in complete control. I can be begin to build my new financial pyramid for myself moving forward. And it's going to have my signature on it. It's going to be my canvas, my portrait, my paint, my paintbrush, my style. I can now forge, create vision and make a dream become a very much a reality than I ever have before. That sense of control is very, very invigorating. So I want your listeners to take that home also and keep that in mind. Yeah. And I love the I love the idea when you say control, because oftentimes when we're talking about control in the divorce context, that has a negative context. Oh, he or she was too controlling. 
Uh, they controlled me. However, the person who perhaps in the marriage or the relationship felt that they didn't have the control, now after the divorce, you do. And that should be empowering to you, I think, right? Yeah, because absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. If you to have control over your finances, over your life again, um, is mm -hmm. very empowering. And you should you should look at that as a mm -hmm. definite positive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, also, I want people to also keep in mind that world control is very empowering, it's very invigorating, yet at the same time, be with it. Uh, when we say control and I can do whatever I want, that doesn't mean just start blowing money right and left, all right? We do, this will open up and possibly create a better set of habits because now it's just you, it's say just one income, there might not be as many expenses, but it is at the end of the day, a brand new journey with the money that is meant to support you for the rest of your life. So you do want to be careful. You want to make sure that you've got a good plan of action behind you. You may want to have someone be looking over your shoulder for a while to make sure what you're doing in the, this next journey and, and road that you're embarking on is the right one and that you're doing the right things. But be feeling powerful, feel invigorated, yet also be very cautious and controlled, meaning you're start develop some good habits so that that money will work very wisely and very strong for you and last for as long as possible. Excellent point. And, and right, when we say control, that can be used for good or bad. Uh, and so then to me, in my mind, that kind of comes full circle back to you have control, now create a budget. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and, mm -hmm. and so, or, or more or less, you just want to do it, do everything intentionally, right? You, you don't want to just go willy nilly uh, and not have a plan. You need to have a plan, a strategy. And I think that's where you come in, right? Can be, yeah, you bet. So, Absolutely. so, so talk mm -hmm. to me a little a, a bit about that. I think that's probably a good transition unless you had something else you want to say about financial successes. We're, there are problems. We're all more. good. But good. Keep on going. How, how does, how does one, they're divorced. They they have the right mindset now. They they feel empowered, um, and they're ready to get on that new right path. Um, from a financial standpoint, how do you help people do that? Oh well, there are many ways many ways to spin that cat. Some people some people feel strong willed enough themselves that they will do it on their own. In fact, it, they could be the one that were doing the money the finances in the household in the first place, and it's already second nature to them. And for those people, that's great. They should they should continue doing what they're doing. And perhaps if they want to hire an advisor like myself, just to kind of take a quick second look, is there something here that I'm missing? And if not, that's fine. Then I'll just be on my way. That's one path to take, and that's perfectly fine. For the other person who says to themselves, I wasn't in charge of the money. I have no idea. He was the one, not me. Now I am behind the wheel on the ship. I've got this, this financial owner's manual, if you will, sitting in my lap. I have no idea how to read it. It's all Greek to me. What do I do here? That's a situation that frankly calls for a professional to guide and to help drive the ship or, or steer the boat. And, and how, do you, how do you find that person? How does a person find that person? This is very much, Jason, a trust-based industry, what I do. I don't have all of the rules and regulations, all of the 
the tried and true ways of, of doing things? Uh, are there any technological advances in that area? Not necessarily, not necessarily. It's just the person who's now behind the wheel, who's never done this before, have no idea what to do. We don't even know where the key is or how, where the ignition is, so to speak. So a professional that's done this time and time again in their sleep, who has done it 10,000 times, they know how to drive the ship. They know how to drive the car, whatever you know, metaphor that you want to use. But the important thing for that person, this new divorced person, is to find that partner, that business relationship that they feel good about. Who, who can I trust? Because it's really huge trust here. I want to make sure that the person giving me guidance, giving me advice, has my best interests in mind. And that's yeah. very, very important. And, and how you find that is in many ways, but one is asking around with your, your friends and your family members, who are you using? Do you like them? Is the chemistry good? Sometimes it's what kind of professional designations do the person has, like a certified financial planner? I'm a CFP, and there are many CFPs that are out there. That would say that's a gold standard to look for. That people who are looking for a business partner, you want to make sure that you're feeling good, that they're making you feel at ease, that they have your best interests in mind, because it will be their suggestions, their recommendations that will land on your lap, that will resonate with you and make you feel like, wow, yes, if I take actions in this direction, this person really wants the best for me. And I really feel like by implementing these very small changes in my life, I will be headed in the direction that I want to go. Yeah, no, the, you know, somebody who you hire to help you do anything in life, um, especially when it involves your finances, which is, you know, everything right yeah. you, you want to not only trust that person but you want to feel comfortable you want to have the same mindset it's a relationship like any other relationship like hiring the right attorney for your divorce mm -hmm. i tell people right you have to not only like them you have to feel like you could be friends with them it's a relationship mm -hmm. right if mm -hmm. you, you can't be somebody you're afraid to talk to or pick mm -hmm. up the phone or mm -hmm. ask questions and so i i i love that that approach um that you're you're giving everybody now as a financial planner i just want to ask you because everybody does it a, a little bit differently do you how do you work with clients do you if they want do you just offer advice and then they control they implement the advice themselves or do you also manage the money um if they want you to do that and what is that what are the differences i can i myself can be all of the above I can be the person that says, "Here's what I here's what I see you doing." Uh, they they share me their information of where they're at, where they want to be, and what they have their plan of action, and I will give them my opinion. It, it's a a one and done type of working relationship. It's really not a relationship; it's a transaction. So with that, they get my wisdom for the moment. I give them my input. What I see is going right, and what I see is going wrong give my suggestions to make changes. It's up to them to make the changes, but that may be the last time that we see each other. So there's that There's that one end. On the other end, it could be much longer term. I'm speaking for myself and many other people are like this. I do manage assets. I do charge an investment advisory fee for people who've got 
money, say in a divorce settlement, I'm now receiving one half of what we used to have. Again, what do I do with this? I have no idea. What are, where are the right places to invest in? What, what are the right different types of accounts? There's such a dizzying array. It's all Greek to me. What do I do? And in that case, I will help sort things out, identify here's where things should be. Let's take full advantage of tax advantages if we possibly can. Let's get this money growing for you, for you and your children, if there's some children involved, so that your, your financial castle is as strong as possible, that nothing can get through. And in, so in that instance, I'm working with the person very long-term. I'm managing their money. I'm managing their assets. We're visiting on a very regular basis, checking in. I'm keeping them in, in, in check with latest rules and regulations that may apply to them, bringing them to, to my own webinars to provide them information that's very valuable. You know, the social media posts, they... They interact with me that way also, but it's it's a very touch feely relationship in that in that sense too. Right, um, and, and those are the different options that um, you and other financial advisors uh, typically offer. So for people listening, I just want you to understand that if you didn't already, that there are like you said, Rick, different ways to skin a cat, um, and it's not all or nothing when it comes to to learning and, and helping manage your your finances. Now. I promised you before we we started today, um, there was something else that you wanted to talk about, and oh, I yeah. said we're going to make time to do it. So, Let's see here. do you? What did you? What was that surprise topic that you wanted to speak about? So, surprise topic is why divorce proceedings, receiving divorce, uh, receiving a divorce settlement is better than w- winning the Powerball lottery. I got to hear this. Know why? Yeah. Okay. So here are some reasons why winning a divorce settlement is better than winning the lottery. First of all, there's tax implications. Unlike lottery wins, most of the financial proceeds from a divorce are usually not subject to tax, which means you get to keep more of your money. That's one benefit. Another benefit is financial security. When you win the lottery, you might get a huge infusion of cash, And that's nice. However, that can go pretty quickly, too, if you're not careful. How many stories have we heard of that happening, right? In a divorce settlement, it's not all of them, but in some divorce settlements, the money's coming to you in periodic amounts, not all in just one lump sum. So you you are okay over an extended period of time. It's a little better existence. Another reason is personal privacy, right? Winning the lottery can put you in the public spotlight, which is great if you want to be constantly hounded by strangers asking for money. And all these family members that you've never heard of now are suddenly knocking on your door. If you want that, then win the lottery. If you don't, then feel good that your divorce is a private matter. Nobody knows what changed hands. So nobody knows how how much is headed your way, and that way your personal privacy is protected. And in that same fashion, and this is a, a final benefit of comparing the two, you can say goodbye to unsolicited advice. When you win the lottery, 
everyone's got the latest new investment that they want you to get into. They've got the latest new thing, the latest new fad, the latest new shiny object. When you get divorced, you don't get hounded that way. No one's in your face with all these amazing, incredible investment ideas because they have no clue, again, what kind of money has changed hands. So in my view, I don't encourage people to get divorced at all. However, there's better reasons to get divorced than winning the lottery. I I kind of like those things. And, you know, if you're going to win the lottery, make sure you're in a state where you can remain anonymous. That's true. <laughs> that would Very New Jersey true. where I am is not one of those states. So that's why I don't even play. I just don't want to be put in that position. <laughs> Rick, this was really great. Thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with everybody today on the show. Uh, and where can people learn more about you and contact you if they want to uh, talk to you? Yeah, they can certainly find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Just look up my name, Rick Salmeron. And they can also hit me on my website, which is salmeronfinancial.com. All one word. Excellent. And of course, all that information will be in the show notes if you are in the car or somewhere where you can't write that down. So have no worries. Rick, it was great talking to you. Thank you again for being a guest. It was great to be here. Thank you for being allowing me to be your guest and be a part of your audio extravaganza. All right. There we have another great interview in the books. Hope you enjoyed this podcast for today and got a little something out of it. Um, if you are going through a divorce, thinking about it, or just looking for some help and guidance and not sure where to turn, Jason at JasonLavoy.com is how you can reach me and figure out if any of my divorce coaching programs would help you. Um, just reach out. I offer free strategy sessions, um, so there's no obligation uh, by contacting me, and I'm here uh, for you when you need me. Also, if you like the podcast and you enjoy what you're hearing, please take a minute and write a kind review on Apple Podcasts. That would be uh, very much appreciated and helps spread the word. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.